0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair with Luxair's consumer rebate program educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more call G team mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance.
1: (laughs) This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee.
2: In race cars, From a physical standpoint, like, we've been out of the car for six-ish months. i still got a tremendous amount
0: of fire and motivation. Every year we set two goals, first to, you know, win the Indianapolis 500 and then, and then secondly to, to win the championship.
2: I focus on what we were lacking a little bit to see how it all works from the inside. Everyone else can win on any given weekend as well. It's just that the series is so high. And ultimately we want to come into 2023 on a a positive note. Last year was a challenge, you know, but I expect a lot more
0: out of our team. The expectations
3: are always high.
0: Uh, Learning, keep learning. Uh, The team has, has really worked hard. Everyone has looked at what we could do better. The enjoyment of the craft and extracting the most out of it is what i'm doing it for
4: that's why we keep coming back it's it's, there was always a fulfillment what can we do better
0: football season is over it's now officially race season even though it already kind of was the daytona 500 is on sunday where connor daly's first laps on track will be in qualifying and most NTT IndyCar series teams have been on track over the last two days at Sebring, including a couple that are not set to race in IndyCar this season. It's not going to exactly be a state of the series address, but we'll cover as much ground as we can on IndyCar's plans with Penske Entertainment President and CEO Mark Miles coming up in about 20 minutes. And one of the last remaining seats for the Indy 500 is now filled. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us as we continue to look forward to the start. Of the ntt indycar series season we are easily within a month now we are talking a, a matter of weeks what two and a half weeks before everybody is in st petersburg and less than three weeks before the season opener on sunday march 5th a lot of things to get to tonight including as i mentioned mark miles in just a few minutes topics will include potential markets uh desired number of races on the calendar. Could IndyCar race at Thermal? A video game update. We'll ask about that. Marketing plans. And who's paying for the IndyCar reality or documentary series? We'll get to all that in a little bit as well. We welcome Eddie Garrison back running things in our Indianapolis studio. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. Hello, Kurtz.
5: Good to be with you. it's uh feels like it really is race season now. So that's good. Yep. We moved on past a lot of things. Now we still got pitchers and catchers reporting in a few days
0: and the NCAA tournament. So there are still plenty of things, the Masters and everything else. So it's not like it. Uh, there's not competition for eyeballs. That is always going to be the case. But the NFL is pretty much the uh, dominant force in not just sports, but in entertainment these days. When you, you go look, have you seen that list before, of the top 100 rated programs of the year, and how many are NFL games? Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty like 87 of them. It's like 87 of the top 100 or 92 or whatever it is, are various NFL games.
5: I did so. notice that the uh, NBA trade deadline pretty much upstaged the NFL last week. Uh, so that happens on occasion. That's still pretty interesting. But when it comes to actual live events on television, Certainly, everybody that I know was watching the NFL game over the weekend. So, But if they would have
0: done an NBA trade deadline special on TV head-to-head with, say, the Pro Bowl flag football game, that flag football game would have gotten a bigger number. Six million people watching a flag football game that just makes you sick. I love football, but it makes you sick if you're uh in involved and invested in motorsport and say wow why can't we do that that's a flag football game so anyway we'll move on uh we got news to get into and a lot to cover let's start first with entry number 32 for the indianapolis 500 i actually got to announce this last week at the ray hall letterman Lanigan uh facility and when i was told the night before who it was first they said we're going to announce our driver and i said well I always like to guess, but I'm not as confident about this guess as I would have been a few weeks ago. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or, or not, but I had heard my first guess would have been Ryan hunter Ray. That's what everyone has kind of thought for a while. But I heard something uh, in January that that may not happen. And when I said Ryan hunter Ray, they said, no, and you're probably not going to guess. So I said, OK, I give up. Just tell me who it is. But when I was told it was Catherine Legg, it did make some sense because this is a Honda entry. And when you're thinking about putting the pieces together and Honda has to sign off on doing an extra engine lease, and she has uh, been a big supporter and vice versa of Honda and with Honda for many years. And that's one of the reasons why I always still kept her on my list because I knew that some key people at Honda thought highly of Catherine Leg, as do a lot of other people in the paddock. She's deserving of this opportunity. So while I might not have immediately guessed that, it does make some sense. And I'm really happy for Catherine to get a proper opportunity.
5: Well, I'm happy for her as well. And as you say, there are key people in the Honda Performance Development Camp that have been lobbying for her on many occasions, in fact, almost every year since she last ran the Indy 500 I think what was surprising to me if you can get past the idea that I thought they would hire Ryan Hunter Ray is that she hasn't been in an IndyCar since 2013 mm-hmm. I mean it's it has been 10 years and you know it's not like she had a vast career before she had a couple seasons of course in Champ Car and she ran 11 races in kind of the new era of uh, IndyCar series in 2012 and 2013 but You know, it's not like she has, you know, 75 to 125 races under her belt. That's kind of the part that surprised me that, you know, she she doesn't bring an element of experience at Indy that would lead you to believe that this was kind of a first guess, you know, in terms of who you might choose. So it'll be interesting. You know, they kind of go with, they got kind of a rather you know, light on experience group at at Ray Hall relative to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Graham obviously the leader of that, but Christian Lungard has run one race and Jack Harvey a few and and Catherine Leg uh, just the two. So it wasn't the the pick that I saw coming for the last several weeks, although to your point, I'm not surprised given how much support she's had within the Honda family in the IndyCar paddock and she's driving
0: in Acura again this year in the uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship finished 4th at the Rolex 24 in class. Uh, I think she won the first sports car race back with Meyer Shank in that might have I think that was with Meyer Shank in 2017 so she's won races in that car before, almost won a championship. Uh, and has still been actively driving. So this is similar to Simona Di Silvestro, had been out of the car for a little while. And I, I don't mean to bring up just another female driver. That's not why, because that's the most recent uh, example of someone who had not been in an Indy car for a while. But we know they're competent. And what's different this year for Catherine is she doesn't just have to show up on whatever day that is, May 14th or 15th. She gets to do the April 20th and 21st test. So. If the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan cars are good, she'll be fine. But they did not qualify or have a, they didn't qualify particularly well. weren't very strong last year. Strong the year before, not so so much last year. But she'll be in the number forty four. Hendrickson, uh, a global manufacturer and supplier of suspension parts in the commercial transportation industry, is the uh, primary sponsor. That's a Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan sponsor. That's why it's been said since last summer last fall that they would have a car in this so uh th- they were
5: essentially able to pick the driver yeah it's it's going to be a obviously a fascinating uh opportunity for her and and having the test will be you know crucial given her uh lack of time in the car here over the last decade but you know her last time in the Indy 500 she was the the la- the last starter in this race she what? she qualified 33rd
0: let's and and that one i think she didn't get in the car until qualifying that's right she had no time in in that situation let's also don't forget when you're thinking about who you want in the car especially as a one-off effort which you know realistically one-off efforts i i know they have one but but you're not expecting to win the race you're just hoping to have a good showing and you're hoping to get attention and provide return for your partner and from that aspect and and I mentioned this even when talking with Catherine during the the press conference, it wasn't my first question, my second question, because I've known her a long time. We think of Catherine as a racing driver, not a female racing driver, but marketing people are going to look at this as, okay, this driver is a little bit different and she is going to be the only non-male in this race. So we're going to get a little extra attention out of this. So I, I think I think we're fooling ourselves if we don't bring ourselves to that point that she doesn't use that as anything. But since it's what she is,
5: she embraces the fact that yeah, I can be a role model to little girls and say everybody can do this. So that's a positive. It is a positive, and I'm and again I'm I want to make this clear. I'm happy for her to have the opportunity. She's a uh, a, a good contributor to this event, both. Out of the car and in the car, and so it'll be fun to watch her progress and the team's progress. They need to have a better Indy 500 than they've had uh, here recently, especially last year, and a better season than they had last year. And so I hope this is a step toward that in May. So we have 32 now,
0: 17 Hondas, and that's it. So I, I believe that we can cross off any potential fifth for Chip Ganassi Racing. Um. I guess you could never say never, because if the perfect scenario came along with a driver that they really felt moved the needle and came with full budget, they would probably do it. But as I understand it, there are no plans right now for anyone at Ganassi uh, or an extra coin car. I believe we are done with Hondas. So any additional entries are coming from Chevy, which is at 15 right now. I don't know this 100%, but I expect a second entry coming from Dreyer and Reinbold Racing. That gets us to 33. I have been told by a few different people that there is a decent chance that we will have 34, maybe even 35. However, to quote Mr. Pittman from Seinfeld, I don't see it, Elaine. I'm struggling to see it. Now, here's where it could come from. So so let's look at Chevy teams. Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed recently said at Content Day that they had a hard off-season deadline for any potential partners to pursue a partial season plan, and that deadline is passed. Now, maybe they're only talking about the uh, Simona-Paretta situation. If they're blown away, could they add an extra Indy 500 car? I suppose they could, but I'd put that in the unlikely camp. I'd put it very unlikely for Penske. I'd put it a 100% no for Errol McLaren. Um, so then you're left with Foyt, Hukos-Hollinger, and a third for Dryer and Reinbold Racing. Which one of those would seem most likely to
5: be open to adding an extra entry? Well, I would put I would put 105% no on hunkos <laughs> I I just don't see how they could field a third car. They've got a driver in Callum who who crashed midway through last year's race, doesn't have enough experience yet at Indy to be, you know, a real contender and and Canapino, um while he has shown well, has never driven on an oval. I just don't see another car coming from that group unless it's an association with someone else.
0: Before you get to other teams, I tend to agree with you. However, would they consider expanding for Ryan Hunter Ray, who I believe they had interest in running a second car last year for nothing else to provide veteran leadership? That might be the scenario where Brad Hollinger says, I'll pay most
5: of the way for Ryan Hunter Ray because our two young drivers could really use it. Well, I I agree with that logic, and so maybe my hundred and five percent is ninety five percent, but but <laughs> I just think that's an awful lot for that that team to incur, and um, and then when it comes to you know Ed Carpenter's team or or Arrow McLaren or or Penske, that's just not going to happen, and so maybe it's Foyt, but um, you know you're not going to have three at Dryer and Rybol. Dennis Reinfeld was talking about maybe not having two, so. I don't think he has three.
0: Here's my guess. If there's a thirty-fourth, it's Dreyr and Reinbold.
5: Yeah, I think that's the most likely, but I just I it's so unlikely to me that that I don't see it.
0: Because in all honesty, if I'm paying for it, if I'm putting this together, I love them. I don't know how to say this, but being blunt, I don't think I'm paying for an extra Foyt car. I think the first two Foyt cars can be fine. But it's a different level for any team when you're going on. Now, I know you'd say, well, wait a minute. You're you're talking about that with dry and Reinbold, too. However, they won't have just come off the Indy Grand Prix and Barber and Long Beach and Texas where maybe cars were destroyed. They are at least entering the month pristine. Here's the scenario that is possible there. R.C. Enerson owns a full chassis, owns a car, or his dad does. And he owns a spare tub. So you bring that along to the conversation. I suppose they could take that to Foyt. They could take that to Hunkos as well. That's, um, But I don't think Hunkos would enter a rookie driver. Yes, he's driven laps at the race. I see the only scenario being Ryan hunter Ray for Hunkos. So, so keep Maine, in mind Dryer and Reinbold is open to that, but that would be – and by the way, we don't know who their second driver is. Enerson could be their second driver. It's not necessarily J.R. Hildebrand, who a lot of us have guessed. And by the way, it could be Ryan hunter Ray is the second dryer and Reinbold racing driver.
5: I don't know who that would be. Keep in mind that the third car at Foyt, the extra car at Foyt last year, was the best performing of of those programs at, at Foyt. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand ran pretty well. So, um, you know, the point is that uh, in an ideal, perfect case scenario, you would say that Foyt and Hunkos ought to stay with the two cars that they got. But we've seen this many times before. They they very well could run a third. I think the last car
0: bumped was a Foyt car when Charlie Kimball, a very, very quality driver in the Indy 500. So in, in all honesty, I don't get super excited about 34. I don't know why. 35 has always been kind of my number. I, I don't want to just see one lone person. All that said, it is still drama. And you'd have a you'd have several saying mm, i don't feel good about this i think there'd be six or seven cars that would say we got to have our game together because we've seen surprises willpower was what 32nd two or three years ago uh so th- there are not a lot of guarantees for anyone at the at the indianapolis 500 but that's where that stands uh at this point and we should have something Well, I don't know if it'll be imminent or not, but you never know. News could come at any time. I know you've still got some notes on uh, spring training from the Thermal Club that we'll get to coming up in just a little bit. We've got a, a couple of other guests on the program we'll tell you about later on. And Mark Miles, the CEO and president of Penske Entertainment, talks IndyCar 2023
4: and more next on Trackside. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
0: Thank you for staying with us as Trackside continues, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. We are pleased to be joined by the president of Penske Entertainment and the CEO, Mark Miles. Good to talk with you, Mark. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, Recovered from the time zone switch, uh, having been out in California and Happy to be back in Indianapolis.
0: I hit all the time zones after the Rolex 24. I don't know still what day it is at at this point. I wouldn't call this a state of the sport, but we do like to catch up with you at least once a year and just kind of see where things are at. And we're now within two and a half weeks of the start of the NTT IndyCar Series season from St. Pete. But I want to start with, I think the season has already started with the spring training test at the Thermal Club near Palm Springs. My opinion from being out there and from the people I spoke with in the paddock is that it was awesome and there was a lot of energy, but I'm wondering what you felt IndyCar and the teams uh, got out of this. How did it go? You
1: know, we couldn't have been more, more uh, pleased with it. It's, You know, um, we wanted to do something new, different, um, and we wanted, frankly, internally to kind of send a message to the key stakeholders, our other promoters our drivers and our team owners that and this year, we're going to really, really step up and, 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 you know, improve our game. And and IndyCar has been growing by every fan metric measurement. um, And yet we feel like we can go faster. So uh, this was just in that way, kind of symbolic of that. And saying that I think it worked. I mean, it's such a cool place. It's such a high quality place, physically, you know the, the the care that was taken to build that, um, and then the quality of their people, their personnel. They were great hosts, and all of us felt that. Um, so yeah, we were we were really pleased. The other thing that happened out there is you you know was what we call content days. So in the mm-hmm. two days before the guys got on track, we rented the basically the Palm Springs Convention Center. And pretty much took it over. And our sponsors, our promoters, our media, um, uh, an advertising agency that we've hired—well, I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute—that's cr- creating commercials for the next campaign. Everybody was out there, and the drivers were fantastic. Really, just going from room to room to room to room to, room to fulfill all the requests and lay down as much content as as people requested uh, to get us off to a fast start.
0: We love Indianapolis, but uh, this has been in Indianapolis the last few years. And I think we all feel a little bit better uh, about that day being in Palm Springs as we go from station to station. So that was a nice vibe, but it it was more so just about the energy event and the possibilities. Uh, If it does return, could we see tweaks? Could we see an expanded format uh, with IndyCar at the Thermal Club?
1: For sure. I mean, first of all, I, I think it's likely that we'll we'll go back. It was a great experience, and I think they want us back. So it, it isn't all worked out, but um, probably m- much more likely than not that we'll be back there, uh, you know, for a similar kind of event next year. Um, yeah, for, you know, we are always trying to improve, try to trying to tweak. One one thing that occurred to us that you know isn't so much for the general fans, but more for the fans who follow the you know the business side of things. We didn't really ask our, uh, our partners, our sponsors to be out there. And we didn't really ask the teams to bring their sponsors. It was kind of more closed, closed. And so it's such a great experience, you know, if we yeah. can figure out how to do that. And maybe it's not everybody that works for any sponsor. Maybe it's CEOs, but it's it's a high-touch kind of environment. And, you know, I think we can think more broadly about how to take advantage of that.
0: I feel it has some of the same attributes of one of the reasons why we love WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca and why the teams do to entertain, because there's more than just the racetrack there. The Palm Springs area has uh, a, a lot of possibilities and a lot of recreational possibilities as well. Could we race there? Could, and if not a regular points paying race, does an exhibition race, some sort of other type of race make sense for IndyCar as a made for TV event or something else?
1: You know, maybe, but it's not our focus at this point. Okay. I mean, you know, if we're going to race, we want big markets, big crowds, generally speaking. And, you know, that's the, the thermal is a fantastic place, but it's really set up as a very high end, high touch kind of uh, environment. Not really set up, I don't think, to host a significant crowd. I'm sure we could put Bleachers up somewhere and put 5,000 people in them and all that. But, you know, and we're, we're, you know, we're good in in uh, Long Beach and, you know, a couple other West Coast sw- swing stops. So uh, I don't think that's the priority at this point, but, you know, we'll just keep working with them and see where it takes us. While we
0: shift to that, let's go ahead and talk about potential venues for the future. The schedule's really solid, stability, there's a, a, a big positive to that. But we always like more. And I think you always like to have competition amongst promoters. Uh, make IndyCar tough to have, that that you've got to compete with some other markets as well. Is there any other venue, any other market events that's beyond just the very preliminary stages for the future?
1: Yes. Um, Mm. And frankly, our attitude mirrors the way you just described, perhaps yours. Um, These things take years. I'll bet you we worked on having Nashville... Least half a dozen years before we raced in Nashville, yeah, and frankly went through two or three iterations of what the promoter team and the investor team might look like. So this isn't just make a phone call and boom, you got a race, uh, especially if it's a temporary street circuit, yeah. So, um, but the answer to your question is yes. Uh, we we are spending time at a call this morning uh, with one market that we're particularly interested in, with a an interested promoter that would be just dynamite so we'll see and i don't want to start everybody's worrying about where that might be but we do want fans to know that it is top of mind and uh for the reasons you said you know there are markets we're not in that are exciting i i I think nashville is a good example of that um and and you know if we can bring new uh frankly very well capitalized promoters into the sport That helps us get to another level in a lot of ways. So, yeah, we want to be uh, keeping ourselves on our toes and looking for uh, ways to raise our game.
0: What is the level of desire to add to the schedule?
1: It's really not the priority. Okay. For now, um, we want to have about the same number of races uh, and, and be in places that add to the value of the series and the championship. And and that you do in lots of different ways. It's the nature of the market. It's the it's the the uh, success of the events that they're well attended, they're robust and they're exciting. So we can always improve. And um, our focus now is 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 about doing that sort of through internal evolution than just increasing the total number.
0: I think we all agree that this is a North American series. However, we still all get asked a lot about, because there is a star driver from Mexico, about a race there. And one of the the team owners would really like to see a race in his home country and recently did a very successful exhibition, Ricardo Juncos in Argentina. Is there any any energy for a race in either one of those markets?
1: Well, I think you left out Brazil. So let's let's make it three. Okay. Uh, part question. Um, the answer is uh, yes, probably. So those are conversations that that are going on. I'm not saying that they're, you know, going to get to a to a green flag right away, but we want to be mindful of opportunities. And, and it's interesting you you named the two you named because I, I do believe that if we're going to do it. There's a lot of questions we have to answer and get to the best answers. One of them is time zone. So, you, look, if we're in Asia, Australia, that's not great for our core North American fan. So, we're looking for. I think we should be looking for opportunities where, yeah, it it helps nurture international audiences, but also is is relevant uh, for for viewers in in uh, North America and in the United States. So. Mm-hmm. So I like the places you named um, and any there's there's interested parties in all three of those countries. And there's just lots to work out. And uh, personally, I think it's exciting. The uh, whether they end up being, you know, non points races or part of the championship, those are questions. And it has everything to do with the dates. It might work both for the, the local promoter, if you will. And IndyCar and NBC up here and, you know, down there, you you wouldn't want to be in Brazil during Carnival. So you've got lots to work through and, and what the opportunities are specific to a specific market probably have a lot to say about exactly how we'd approach the opportunity. Penske
0: Entertainment CEO Mark Miles is joining us. Let's talk about a, a, a venue that is on the schedule. That's a market that, that's very important. Texas Motor Speedway and it was talked about I think Roger Penske was quoted after the event last year is that you know we all need to come together and think about how to make this event the best it it can be and share some resources what's the plan for this year coming up to make that event as successful as it can be
1: well first Jay and and the and the teams are going to do what they did last year maybe more of it if possible to really ensure that the racing is fantastic and I thought it was really terrific uh, last year and then from a marketing point of view, which is essentially your question, we're going to spend more money at, from Penske Entertainment to do more in that market. Um, and we're working very closely with SMI and the, the promoters at, at uh, the Texas Motor Speedway. And we have another kind of ace card, which is that NTT is is headquartered in Plano, Texas. Mm. And that's there, right? It's it's uh, very close. And they have a very big operation. So the three entities are leading an effort to to work together. To roll out new marketing. One one thing that I don't think is a little thing, I think Penske companies have like 5,600 employees in the area, in in the region. And like we did here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Brickyard, we invited them to come, Roger invites them to come, and you know, every every next thousand people that show up uh, to take in the race is a good thing. So you know, there's there'll be lots of targeted grassroots efforts like that. Plano, Plano, uh, NTT has a lot of employees in the area. I think there's going to be some initiative related to Hispanic marketing. It makes a lot of sense in in that area of the country in Texas, and and you know maybe Pato can help us with that. So yeah, there, there's a there'll be a number of things that hopefully uh, can help us lift that event. So we'll come
0: back to marketing, but I think these next two questions are are sort of in that realm too. Uh, new ventures that are coming in 2023. First, let's talk about the reality show. I don't know if that's the right way to to describe it, docu-series, but 100 Days to Indy uh, with Nexstar and Vice and the CW. Uh, I know production has already started. I've sat down with them. And what I've gathered so far is they're not 100% certain what it's going to be. They want to talk to people first And then they'll decide what the best path is. I guess my first question, and then you can talk about the excitement of what it can do as well, is will you or anyone from IndyCar be heavily involved in that process? Or is it, no, these are the creatives. These are the pros. They are going to decide what's best to bring our sport to a new audience.
1: It's really the latter. I mean, we're trying to be helpful. I'll bet you were helpful. This morning at 5 a.m., I was sending clips from the Indy Star about bumping and the size of the field so that, you know, to, to Patrick Diamond, their director, so that, you know, I'm not telling him what to cover, but, you know, by the way, bumping's a thing yep. <laughs> at Indianapolis and we think it's likely to be a thing this year. So just, you know, on your radar screen to, to imagine. So, you know, are th- th- great pros and, you know, there were I think 20 of them in their smocks running around with cameras at thermal yep. capturing the stories. And I, so it's important, I think. We think of it as an unscripted series, so okay. nobody's writing scripts. Nobody's telling the 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 team at Vice Productions what to cover, um, and and they don't know what you know. They're they're collecting ideas, and yeah. they'll see what works for them. They're storytellers. They've got to figure out as they go, and I think they'll be um, they'll be making those decisions episode by episode, from you know day to day to day. So I think that's exciting, and we'll see what they put together. But they're really good at what they do, and they're fully committed. It's it's uh, They're very responsive.
0: Are teams all in on sharing and what's going to be the process to make sure nothing that they don't want out from a competition standpoint um, is involved? Let's be honest. The people doing this, they're not racing experts, nor should they be. We are trying to introduce the sport and bring in new people. So they may not even know that, whoa, this was a big deal. We can't share this. How is that going to go to make sure that um, nothing that Chip Ganassi doesn't want to see uh, Team Penske seeing, doesn't get seen?
1: Yeah, well, let me me just reiterate the positive, then I'll get to that. Um, It's everybody's opportunity. Chip's, Mike Hall's, Dixon. Everybody has the mobile phone number. Of the guy who is orchestrating the show. Yep. And he is incredibly responsive, Patrick Diamond. And so he is asking all of us, the whole IndyCar ecosystem, you got an idea if something's going on, tell us. And I've seen him, you know, getting on a plane with Grosjean, who's going to do something interesting because Grosjean told him about now they're going to cover it. So that's our opportunity. And I love that they're incredibly responsive and they're, they've they got budgets to do what what can be done to capture the best stories. In terms of your question, um, th- I read some misunderstandings, apparently, about that. Somebody said we have a rule and and we've told uh, teams that they absolutely can't say no. They have to make everything accessible. That's just flat wrong. What okay. we are saying to the teams is it's your call if you if there's something that they they're there they want to cover and you don't want them covering it just tell them and they will they will respectfully yeah do something else so it's absolutely you know play by play opportunity by opportunity in the hands of the teams and the drivers to to grant access or not but we also have said and i hope this is clear and they get it i think instinctively they get it listen the, the more stories you can throw at them And the more accessibility you can give them, the more likely you are to be part of the story. So there's no rules. There's no heavy handedness. Um, I think there's a lot of incentive for the teams to open up as much as they're comfortable with. But it's their call.
0: Let's move to another topic that I always get asked about. And you will actually have an answer. What's the status of, of an IndyCar video game?
1: Well... I, I have the 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 best answer available because we talked with. Uh,
0: It'll be better than my answer because yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so look, look the the industry has headwinds. Microsoft, you know, has laid off employees. It's a very big industry, but it's it there are headwinds in that whole sector. Nevertheless, and, and, and the company that we've engaged to be our partner for developing a game has had some significant. It's a and uh, New York Stock Exchange listed company, and they've had some financial issues but they've been recapitalized. Their debt's been uh, restructured and they're on it. So I think the short, the specific answer is, um, they're going to be distributing on a very selective basis, kind of the beta uh, version of the game around May. And so maybe you certainly drivers, you know, insiders will get a chance to get on it. And frankly, it's it's a chance to improve it kind of debug it they they always initially have issues so to get it really where it needs to be for a release probably closer to the end of the championship this year but in the meantime okay. we want to do and they want to do some some esports competition so kind of fill that uh, that opportunity and i think you're likely to see evidence of that in may and and uh and then again beginning at the end of this championship
0: all right so i think that all encompasses marketing those are all marketing Um, assets for IndyCar, but let's talk broad picture because that's another one that always comes up. And it's not as simple as, hey, let's just spend money. You need to find a return for your marketing plans. I also know the, the chief position, at least as far as I know, recently was open. Maybe it's been filled and not announced, but what can you share about marketing plans for IndyCar in 2023?
1: 2023 in terms of IndyCar marketing and communications is unprecedented. Huge increase in our spend, and I'll touch on some of the things we're going to do with the with the dollars that will flow. But I'm, I promise you, this is unprecedented for my 10 years. Roger has said, let's go. And so um, the, the, the criteria, notwithstanding that it is a business and an ROI matters, it, it isn't that we have to have an ROI in the year we spend it. Some of these things may pay dividends in years two and three. But the investments are being made this year, and you're going to see that as we go through the year. So the the vice is not an example of an investment for us because we didn't have to buy it, but it is. That's certainly good. An, I don't know that we all good. knew that. We I, I,
0: I think a lot of people wondered, is this something IndyCar had to pay for? So that's good news. No, no, no. no. The, uh,
1: our, our partners at Vice and at uh, CW are funding the budget. And it's ample. It's, it's quite ample on a per uh, episode basis. But if if I'm listing big initiatives that that we think will have impact this year, certainly the unscripted series is likely to do that. We um, are going to be unveiling just before St. Pete kind of the new uh, advertising campaign. And that is all about getting more fans to watch our racing. Mm -hmm. So, um this year we'll be looking at targeting ad buys in the top 20 uh IndyCar markets. Now look, if, if there might be more people in New York or in LA watching, but those are not good markets efficient markets to buy. Yeah. So it's really it's it's the top 20 markets that have IndyCar fans uh, that make any kind of sense to to buy. but it's a multi-million dollar investment. And the thing I'm most excited about is the creative. So we've got a clear plan, we hired a new agency, and the first spot will roll out between now and St. Pete. And I'll just tell you that it's gonna, the campaign will feature individual drivers. Let's just say, you know, we got seven races between Saint, from St. Pete through Detroit. So seven drivers will be the personalities that, that sort of carry each of seven spots. Yeah. And then there'll be about the seven different races. It's not like an IndyCar brand spot that we slap tune in Sunday at three. It's a reason why particular drivers love particular races in the beginning of the year. And I'm really excited about it. It will for sure be more exposure and more uh, in-depth exposure for these first drivers that are, that are the talent, if you will, in these spots than we've ever been able to afford them in the past. And then we're making really big investments in what you and I would call PR, earned media. So, you know, in the past we few years, we've been focused on getting drivers into the markets where we race. And it's as much as anything to help the, the promoters sell their tickets, mm-hmm. promote their event, which will continue. But we're also spending a whole lot of money now. sort uh, Alex Dameron that runs communications for us calls it go big or go home. So you're going to see IndyCar drivers and, uh in creative disruptive ways much more often in new york and la and chicago places we may not race where we we got to go to be more relevant more top of mind for more of the of uh, the sports marketing uh, uh institutions in this country
0: i don't want to keep you too long with there are a couple of other things that are new for 2023 i want to touch on and we kind of saw the unveiling at thermal With renewable fuel and Shell. That's exciting. That's, we all need to be as sustainable as possible.
1: Yeah. I want to do one more straight marketing thing and then I'd love to talk about that. So, we're going to relaunch the IndyCar app. This is a very serious investment and that will come, that will be unveiled just in the lead up to St. Pete as well. I think everybody's going to find it uh, easier to navigate, more attractive, better content. So, you know a, a meaningful investment and i think an important uh, initiative this year as to sustainability listen we've got some great partners and shell is is uh right there at the top among uh, on that list and it is because of them that we're going to be our, our cars will be on renewable fuel if we call it that so the the racing really positions us in north america as unique in this regard we're very proud of that it it's thoroughly tested and You know, it it is uh, it it was the fuel at thermal and you'll see it as the race fuel for the rest of the year. And then we're going to continue, maybe maybe expand. We're finalizing how much we can do for renewable diesel fuel for the trucks that move the the race cars to the races. Last year we started that. I think it's going to be expanded this year. But that's meaningful, right? Those diesel trucks uh, comb the the country and uh, they're buying a lot of fuel.
0: I think this Friday will be 100 days to the Indianapolis 500. There's always a bit of a celebration for that. We like to mark the days with that. Um, Just a basic, how are ticket sales going? If you want to have any choice at where you sit and you don't already have a ticket, you probably need to jump on that now, I would think.
1: Yeah, I'd say you're not first in line if you're just now getting around (laughs) to buying a ticket. There's still great tickets left, but... You know, through our renewals from the first 500 hours after last year's checkered flag to the sales that have come in and uh, since then, we're really pleased. We are ahead of where we were last year and, you know, week to week, year over year. And last year was the best year for many years other than 2016. So, you know, our objective after the 100th running was, can we keep at least half of the massive growth? In ticket sales that we had that year you know which was a sellout and we did and now we're moving up from there so i don't know the day will come when uh when the base is higher and and uh but we'll, we'll be very happy and proud about that but it's uh it's very satisfying and it's very uh uh it's it's very positive at this point i'll leave
0: you with the final word and just the level of enthusiasm as we get set to to kick off another season this year
1: I couldn't be more enthusiastic. We've got record car counts in IndyCar. By the way, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Indy next, but th- there are eighteen or twenty cars on the grid for that yep. series, which is, uh, you know, I think we were down in the high single digits not before before we took it back, um, and so that's a big indicator for both series: the the, the interest, the, the supply, if you will, of of team owners and cars. We love the drivers. We love the sport. We think the racing will continue to get more exciting and, and faster this year. And, um, you know, we believe that this investment in in projecting the sport to more people around the country who maybe aren't established fans will help us grow. So I look for an exciting year and great growth.
0: Mark, thank you very much. We'll see you in uh, sunny Florida here in just a couple of weeks.
1: Can't wait. Thanks.
0: Mark Miles, the CEO and president of Penske Entertainment. Stay with us. We've got plenty more to come. Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: Hi, this is Graham Rahal, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan.
0: Okay, short segment here to get caught up on things Uh, but first of all thanks to Mark Miles I think some things that we didn't know there some really good information in that last segment. Uh, Still to come we'll go down the times if you're really interested from Sebring from the last couple of days with most of the field split up into not everyone but a lot of them in the last couple of days at Sebring including the hybrid including another candidate for next year for Gannett Let's see. Also tomorrow, what did the release say? Indy 500 winner to make special announcement Wednesday at IMS. And then I noted that Tony Kanan on social media, maybe Sunday or so, said, "Hey, I've got a special announcement this week." Uh, So I'm going to put two and two together and say that's probably with Kanan. Is he announcing this will be his last one? I'm not sure what else it would be at this point. I don't imagine he could be announcing 2024 at this point so maybe we'll see what comes up there tomorrow also coming up in the next hour oh this took very difficult negotiations with his people but i have secured young driver jackson lee on the program to talk about his announcement and signing with turn three motorsports to move up to indy pro 2000 next year usf pro 2000 is what it's now labeled and also another young driver even younger Joao Vergara won the Lucas Oil Shootout Scholarship for the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series. Uh, we'll just have a chance to meet a young fellow coming up. And Nathan Brown will talk all things IndyCar from the Indianapolis Star. Coming up next, Trackside, 93.5, The Fan.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: Hi, this is Mark Zerickson, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Back for hour two of Trackside. If you didn't hear the first hour of the show, we had Mark Miles uh, on, and he gave a bunch of good information about the upcoming NTT IndyCar Series season. And I know our next guest, if he didn't hear all of that tonight, will certainly be going back to listen to it because Mark had some interesting things to say. You can catch that on the podcast uh, starting later tonight, and it'll be there Obviously, is re-roll through the week and into into next week's show, so you can go back to that. Mark brought up, you know, a lot of interesting things about the Vice show that that uh, we're going to see here beginning in uh, April. I would suspect, and and what we learned about the Thermal Club from his perspective, and a variety of other things. So, joining us next, Nathan Brown, who has uh, become. He's really trying to surpass those last two motorsports riders at the Indianapolis Star. Uh, he's done a terrific job. How many years now is this, Nathan? I've started to lose track. Are we three, four? Are we up to five yet with you uh, as the lead motorsports rider? So this will be
3: season number four. Um, I, I kind of think of it as the second, like totally normal season, because we all know what happened in 2020 and 2021 even still, um, felt maybe not entirely like you would think a a normal season would. Obviously the 500 was, um, altered. So I, I feel like this is my second, like totally normal, um, year going into the B, but with, uh, a lot of background that, uh, 2020 and 2021 brought me, of course.
5: Are you uh, regretting the getting the advice of, uh, say, a former Indianapolis Star motorsports writer gave you about you know just how 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 twenty four seven the beat feels sometimes and how January to December is like every every day in this sport.
3: I've you know I've really tried to especially um, you know these last couple months. As much as I can try and just kind of give myself a mental break in some ways, it's um, been uh, brought on by the fact that my wife and I had our first kid uh, back in December of 2021. So I've um, you know, put in, as you well know, loads and loads of time when the season's going on, kind of along with that month before the season and the couple months afterwards. And, you know, I built, feel like I build up some time that, um, allows me to then kind of break away a little bit in December and January and recoup and recharge, spend some time with, uh, family and just kind of get everything in order f- to have another, um, you know incredibly busy what is it six or seven months of the season so i feel pretty good i know um you know some other folks are just on it 24 7 and i applaud them for that i maybe haven't you know been covering every single uh story whether it be testing or otherwise all the time these last couple months but really looking forward to gearing up over these next couple weeks and um getting ready to kick off this 2023 IndyCar season, starting with the season open in in St. Pete in
5: March. Yeah. Let's talk about the first uh, event of the season, if you will. We've spent a lot of time talking about the thermal club test and, and all the, it's kind of like the first day of school. That's how we often describe it. The chance to see people in different uniforms and see different perspectives and be introduced to some new drivers Combinations, new teammates, that kind of thing. What as you look at as you walked away from that event, what are the I don't know, two or three things either that surprised you or, you know, it just kind of brought back, you know, oh yeah, that's this is going to be a key storyline that that maybe we didn't spend enough time thinking about a week or so before the content days. Sure. There's a, a couple that stand out. Um I think the
3: first that um, seemed fairly glaring. And again, I'm the first person to say that testing times are really not all that important because we just don't know what each individual team or driver is working on and how those, um, you know, individual things for each entry compared to each other. So I don't Get super duper up in arms on you know this person led this test or these this was the top five. But I will say the the one thing um, top of mind that stood out was that Augustin Canapino um, seemed you know fairly close to his second year teammate at Hunkos Hollinger Racing, Kalamailat, who I think we all believe is an up and coming talent in this sport. Um, I think he was for most of those sessions within a second of Callum and also ahead of several, um, you know, fairly solid veteran drivers again, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but the the fact that Canapino was even in striking distance of the field, given his lack of open wheel racing experience, and given this was his first, um really a high level, you know, full day of testing type program that he would have had was really impressed that he seemed like he was fairly competitive in similar equipment to Callum and, and right up there around you know 20th 21st in the field in terms of best lap times for the four sessions that we had there. Um, I think if he can be, even, you know, really, if he can finish right around there in races, um, I think that's, uh, a big win for JHR this year. Obviously that track was a place that no one had run before. So there's maybe that, um, you know, that lack of experience across the field takes away some advantages that guys that he beat like, um, you know, Graham Ray Hall, Connor Daly, Santino Ferrucci are three that stand out that I think Augustine had the best of for several of those sessions. You know, when we get to, uh, I mean, even just say St. Pete, for example, to, to kick off the season, I'd be a little surprised if he was finishing practice one and practice two, still you know, 20th or so in terms of lap times. But if he can um, adapt quickly and give Callum and ricardo some great data that they can work with i think you could expect to see some pretty solid leaps from callum and from that team we are we already saw sparks of that last year especially towards the end of the season as they were getting to tracks that they'd been to before so i think if if they're if they have a you know a teammate that can provide some, you know, some really valuable information that they just didn't have as a one car team last year. I think, um, that's something to look out for. Another thing that stands out to me, um, is just the the continued growing pains of expansion that it seemed like Aaron McLaren was going through. You know, I heard, I know we've heard a lot about the, the numbers of new folks that they brought in. The number I think was, um, unveiled in the first content day, maybe by Rossi or Felix, uh, maybe even Pato, I can't quite remember. But the fact that they brought on 40 new employees distributed through those teams as they added a third full-time car was certainly great to hear. But when we got on track, I know it was readily apparent that there were some growing pains those folks are, are working through. I've been told that there's maybe some overlap in some folks' responsibilities. And so they're working through just kind of figuring out who best fits where and the organization and the responsibilities that those folks will hold to make everything a, a more seamless operation. Um, I think there were some just down to like misplaced helmets and gloves. And, um, I think what, even one driver had, uh, what I was told was, uh, a, improperly measured, um, steering arm, I think is what it was for the first day of testing that set them back. So, um, that team's still working through some growing pains that you maybe not, maybe wouldn't have expected. Um, you know, even though they are, adding a third car. So maybe didn't get out the gate as well as you would have wanted to, but would also expect that organization to get all that ironed out before we get to St. Pete and hopefully have a a better start to the year than they did in 2022.
5: Nathan Brown joins us, uh, Indianapolis star and I may put you on the spot for a second. One of the conversations that I don't know that I got to the, I kind of understood uh, there was some dialogue, mostly from Simon Pagano related to Joseph Newgard. Now they were teammates, obviously at Team Penske. Jo- uh, Simon said some things about Joseph, and I couldn't quite understand what the point was. Do you did you get a better sense for that? Yeah, so I was
3: not there for the start of all of this, but it uh, I believe at least in this latest iteration started. Um. During some of the in-race media availabilities uh, at the Rolex 24 in Daytona a couple weekends ago, um, Simon was in his uh, Shank racing car and was given, I think, was just a warning for the way in which he passed an LMP two car that happened to be the tower motorsports car that both Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden were um, part of the team for this year. And when Simon was asked, you know, after he'd gotten out of the car and kind of the way I understand it, they Um, you know, they bring in a couple drivers every so often when they're out of the car and finish their stints and Simon was brought in. And one of the last questions he was asked was, you know, do you have any response to this penalty or warning that you were given? And, um, Simon said that he thought that Joseph was in that car, um, kind of just kind of playing, you know, poking fun or, or saying, you know, that if it was Joseph in that car that he would have driven them a little bit closer and maybe tried to rough them up or something. Um, which, you know, I know, you know, but you know, maybe viewers don't, even when they were teammates at team Penske, they had a little bit of history. <laughs> um, I yeah. believe there's a couple races at worldwide technology raceway that they, you know, had some contact while they were Penske teammates. First one, I think being in that 2017 title race, um, as well as I want to say maybe 2020 or 2021. Um, so I, th- I think that is maybe kind of where some of that stems from. Simon was in was then asked about it at content day and said that, um, you know, he's just kind of enjoys getting in Joseph's head and <laughs> says that he feels like Joseph takes himself really seriously and that Simon, um, you know, enjoys, I guess, trying to kind of play some mental games maybe with him. Um, you know, Joseph had some, um, good barbs back the The one at Rolex, I want to say was just that, you know, he, Hey, he doesn't have too many opportunities to pass me. So I'm sure he enjoyed that even though Joseph actually wasn't even in the car to begin with. Um, and Joseph said it at Palm Springs at content days that, um, you know, he didn't have anything against Simon and respects him as a driver and just kind of sees it as uh Simon trying to, um, you know, get some sort of an advantage, even though they may not necessarily be on the, you know, a level playing field when we're thinking about going for wins and a championship and whatnot. So it was, um, it certainly became a story. It was one of those things that, um, Simon certainly made a point to say initially and then I think we just kind of kept asking him questions as the media when we got opportunities to um I think it maybe just uh gives a little bit of insight into the fact that you know just because you're teammates at Team Penske that you're not always uh you know best friends as you might say and maybe there was some tension there here and there and and now as a Meyer Shank Racing driver maybe Simon just feels a little bit more free to uh, have little bits of fun and and kind of try to poke the bear a little bit to get some sort of a reaction. And Joseph (laughs) even wondered if it was just some sort of way that Simon was trying to almost kind of like, you know, build himself up or you know, kind of, I don't know, get his his own mindset ready for a season and trying to create some sort of a fire. So that could be, it's hard to, to really know, but it was certainly an interesting um, mini drama to, to uh,
5: follow for that week or so. Hey, we could all use a little mini drama and this vice, uh, this vice series docu series that's uh, being developed uh, Mark Miles talked about that. So, you, if you didn't catch it in the last hour, you'll want to go back to that on the podcast. So, that's uh, that's good stuff. I, like I said, I, I kind of had a sense where this was coming from, but a little bit of uh, tension in the air is is good for good for good for ratings. Nathan Brown joins us. Let me ask you uh, one of my favorite little games that that I like to play, and whenever. Kevin puts me in charge of uh, content development. I like to play the either or game. So let me give okay. you. And I think I think as we go through this either or, I think we'll cover several of the storylines moving forward. But if let's let's start with with you know maybe not tension, but we've got this great friendship between Colton Herta and Alexander Rossi. But for the first time, they're not teammates. Either mm-hmm. or. You look for a for a good season. If you were going to say which driver is more likely to have a better season in twenty twenty three, Alexander Rossi now at Arrow McLaren or Colton Herta leading the show at Andretti. I think I would say Colton Herta.
3: Um, I, I mean, we've seen examples of it. Maybe not drivers at. Um, what we think is Rossi's peak level of performance, but we've seen over these last couple of years that, um, you know, it takes some time to switch to a brand new team that has new philosophies that comes with, um, new setups. Whereas, you know, maybe the potential is, um, you know, higher in the long run, but, um, those, you know, first year or, or, even part of a year is just tough to make those adjustments. We saw that with Jack Harvey last year at Ray Hall coming from Meyer Shank racing. We saw that in Felix Rosenquist's first year at, um, at Arrow McLaren coming from Chip Ganassi racing. Now, I believe that Rossi's, a you know, overall, I, I feel like his ceiling is higher than both of those drivers. Um, but I still feel like there's going to be some feeling out, um, that Rossi will have to get used to. I'm not, he's not just moving to a new team, um, but moving, moving to a, a new manufacturer. And I know that there are some intricacies to that that he's definitely was getting used to at the test. And I'm sure some of that will continue on, you know, past this week's test at Sebring and probably into uh, a couple of races into the year, uh, the spring. So I feel like, um, You know, when we look at their last couple of years, Colton has had the upper hand between them uh, when they were both teammates at Andretti. Colton hasn't had anything change to his program, and uh, I know he was certainly pretty disappointed with how up and down his last year was. But if we are to take absolutely anything from testing, it looks like at least Andretti has come out you know, fairly strong um, or doesn't have any glaring issues at the start of this year. St. Pete will tell the the tape of that. But if I had to pick one of those, I would I would say Colton will have at least a little bit better season.
5: So in either or uh, Joseph Newgarden has talked about trying to win uh, 10 races in a season. I don't think that's possible in this competitive era of the sport, but either or Joseph Newgarden, or his two teammates winning more races, meaning the two teammates combined power and McLaughlin versus new garden. Last year had five wins. The other two had combined for four, who, who wins the most races, Joseph or the combination of power and McLaughlin. That's a great one.
3: Um, because I feel like, I mean, Joseph won five races last year and you could argue he probably could have won another two or three, um, but then you also have to wonder. Uh, I mean, McLaughlin was pretty close on a couple more, and mean, Will ran a, a heck of a year in winning a championship and only and only winning once. Um, man, I if I have to pick, I'll I'll go ahead and take the numbers and say that the two two other Penske drivers will have more. But I I will admit I don't feel incredibly comfortable with it because <laughs> well, that's I feel good. like. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Scott McLaughlin could definitely challenge for a championship this year. Um, and I, you know, you have to think that will's probably good for at least one, maybe two. So if you put all those things, um, together, you know, maybe Joseph still wins four, but Scott wins three or four and
5: and will adds one. So I'll take the, the, (laughs) uh, the other pair. We'll pick up the pace because I got a few more that I want to get to real quick. Uh, Mm -hmm. First time winner, more likely to be Malukas or Lungard. And we saw great runs from both drivers last year. Um, I
3: will take Lungard only um, because I felt like he was showing a little bit better, maybe consistency last year. um, And I do feel like, with RLL, uh, I think we're going to see a, a little bit of a you know mild bounce back year, and I feel like Lumgaard really has um, maybe a, a higher ceiling between those two drivers, and um, would definitely not be surprised to see a win out of him this first half of the year.
5: Two teams that are loaded in Indianapolis: uh, Ganassi, which which obviously uh, won last year's race, Marcus Erickson. Uh, would you take Ganassi's team? or Arrow McLaren, which finished second, third, fourth, and fifth with its drivers, its new drivers for 2023. But those drivers had great finishes last year. More likely a Ganassi driver or Ganassi or an Aero McLaren driver wins Indy. So we're talking about the 500.
3: Um, I'm going to take Ganassi, even though I know from finishing positions, you would say that Aero McLaren probably has the upper hand only because I feel like, Ganassi could have won last year's race with three with of its of guys. Yeah. yeah, really with three of its drivers that it has right now. Kanan was third. Um you know, Pato was fairly close there, but I never really felt like he was going to win this race. Um and, and so I will take um I'll take the the Ganassi group okay. over there with Polo and Erickson and, and Dixon. And and, and Sato with that we
5: all yeah, over, so uh overlook. Yeah, we're not we're not holding you to these things. They're just for funsies in February. Yeah. That's what we'll call this segment. Funsies in February. Two more. <laughs> uh Nathan Brown joins us, so you can these can be his choices. Uh more likely to improve as a team this year, Meyer Shank Racing, which is now year two with its two drivers, or Ray Letterman, which arguably had a, you know, a down season last year. Which of those teams has a better chance to to take a step forward this year? think as a whole um you know i think
3: rll being a three-car team i could definitely see two of them in the top you know top 12 maybe one of its drivers in the top 10 it's such a crowded group up there near the top so i i think i'll I'll say this i think the best driver from rll will have a better championship finish than the best driver at uh, msr which i think we would probably all assume will be Pagano. um I'll uh, I'll leave it at that.
5: <laughs> Last one for you, uh, IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year. Now, it's an interesting situation because the driver with the best team organization, I guess you could say, is Marcus uh, Armstrong. But he's going to be uh, just on the road courses and street circuits, which means there's five races where he's not going to score any points. And then I think you've got Stingray Rob, who follows in the great names that we've seen at, at Dale Coyne Racing for young drivers. Uh, which one has a more likely chance. And I got to admit, I mean, you got Canapino and you've got, you've got Benjamin Peterson. So maybe there are four drivers there, but I think it's, it's ultimately going into the season, Marcus Armstrong or stingray, Rob, which do you think has the most points at the season's end?
3: I know this may seem a little bit like a long shot pick that I haven't really talked to anyone about this. I do think Marcus Armstrong has a legitimate chance despite running five fewer races. Um, to win this rookie of the year title. I think he's, um, I think he's a stronger driver right now. I think he's with a better team. I think he's a a guy that, um, is more likely to accumulate maybe a a podium or two or a couple top fives. And I do feel like when you look at how these points, um, are awarded, I feel like if nothing else, he's going to make it very close. And and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that (laughs) I think he will be our rookie of the year in 2023.
5: I think those are, those are all good picks. And I think I tracked with you on all of them. So your picks are my picks. Although Rossi Herta would be, is still going to be a dynamic, uh, a dynamic one and I appreciate you playing along. Cause it's not, it's not easy. And these, these are recorded. So somebody could come back and check uh, February and see how we did, but I appreciate it's it. It's going to be a good season. I don't want to put you on the spot with anything else, but yeah, uh, I guess I put you on the spot with just make deadline. That's 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 your objective in 2023. Not necessarily create the biggest story or or write the best copy. Just make deadline. <laughs> that is <laughs> uh, that's the one of the most important things I'm working on this
3: year. So we'll uh, definitely keep that in mind.
5: Nathan Brown, you can read his stuff at Indie. Indy Star, I, by the way, I have IndyCar.com and IndyStar.com. So that's that's two different and very similar uh, names. Anyway, this is Trackside on 93.5, 5, Kevin Lee joins us here in just a minute. Stay with us. Uh, we'll be back to talk more about IndyCar in just a moment.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Thank you for staying with us. Trackside continues, 93.5, 5, The Fan in Indianapolis um I'm in Miami this week uh, again as I continue to avoid Indiana throughout the winter time and I was there just a couple of weeks ago and one of the projects I was involved in and one of the reasons that that I always try to help when I can because my son Jackson came through the Lucas oil formula Car series and and started in the schools and was a part of the shootout and won a scholarship so the last couple of years Jackson coaches and I go and do a little seminar for the parents and I thought you know what it'd be nice to Give it a little extra reward for whoever the the scholarship winner is. Give them some media training. Put them on the radio, and maybe just maybe we have met a future superstar in the uh, in the process as well. Joel uh, Joel Vergara is the latest winner of a full season scholarship to race in the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series coming up next summer. I'm going to guess that's worth around eighty or ninety thousand dollars, and even more significant if you win that championship now. The scholarship is up to a quarter of a million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, to go towards USF four, USF two thousand, or an TCR ride as well. Joe Al joins us now. Congratulations! How cool is this?
6: Thank you so much, Kevin. It's uh, truly I'm so grateful for the opportunity the guys that uh, in Lucas Oil gave me to compete for this scholarship, and uh, I want to thank you for having me tonight.
0: So let's get to know you a little bit. How old are you? I'm um, 15 years old. Uh, you only 15. The- yeah. I was going to guess you're 17 or 18. That's one of the reasons <laughs> why you won the scholarship. You're very mature. I know you're from Sao Paulo. Uh, I know a few other racing drivers that have done pretty well from Sao Paulo. Uh, you're in America now. How long have you been in Miami?
6: Uh, I've been living in Miami for a year and a half now.
0: And how do you speak such perfect English? <laughs>
6: So I've studied in uh, American school my whole life back in Sao Paulo.
0: Okay. And we'll also give kind of a connection. When I was down there, I looked over and uh, I said, wait a minute. I recognize this fella. And it was Oz Negri, a sports car driver. He won the Rolex. The first time that Michael Shank won it in 2012, he was teammates, uh, including with AJ Allmendinger and Justin Wilson. And Oz is a great coach. Now, he wasn't really coaching you there. No coaches allowed. So you're doing dealing with the school coaches. But what does that help having someone in the family, and I know your dad knows motorsport as well, that can kind of advise you on this path?
6: I mean, it's just, you know, so good to have my uncle around, not only as a coach, but he's uh, he's very motivational to me, very supportive since I started racing. So it's just such a pleasure to have him around and, you know, get to learn all the things and all the knowledge he has uh, from race car driving.
0: So tell us your racing background from karts and then how much car experience did you have before the Lucas Oil shootout?
6: So I was born in Sao Paulo and around nine years old is when I started getting into race car driving. Had my first race when I was 10 and my uncle was just always been supportive. I raced back, uh, go karts back in Brazil for five years, uh, won one championship, uh, uh runner-up in another one, and then had a few wins. And then we moved here to Miami um, uh, And when I got into high school. We moved here. And I did the Florida Winter Tour, uh, two Vegas races. Did pretty good in a, in some races. Got a, a third place in, in the Winter Tour in St. Pete. And um, we decided to make the moves up to race cars. So we picked the, the Lucas School of Racing, which truly just helped me have such a smooth transition from go karts to cars. Uh, we started off with the basic school in Sebring, and um, all the coaches and all the staff just, you know, ensured that the transition was so smooth, and I learned everything I had to learn before hopping in the car.
0: So you had just done the one weekend before this shootout, is that right? I had a few
6: um, uh, advanced – or two advanced schools, okay. uh, Lucas Oil, and I did the two last races. In the last year's series,
0: okay. I was going to say because I know you were quick, and if you only had that one weekend, that would be uh, amazing. But still amazing, nonetheless. So you get to race for free in the championship this year. What else will you do? Are you still going to cart, or are you trying to do some other testing and other types of cars along the same time?
6: Uh, We want to keep our focus on the Lucas Oil School of Racing this year. Obviously, while training, you know, in the gym and I have a shifter cart, which truly is such a such a good workout to, for the cars. So that's the the plan for this year. Focus on the on the scholarship that, that Lucas has to offer to us to hopefully make the step up to USF next year.
0: So my two cents would be that's the right plan. There's no reason to be in a massive hurry. You're 15 years old. There's a great opportunity here. And from people smarter than me, they've said that even if you have the budget to get into cars with wings, you're better served to, to run these cars without wings and learn mechanical grip, whether it's the Lucas School or Formula Ford or whatever the case is, and then uh, make the the progress as you go. So tell me about the shootout itself. What was that like? What's the pressure like with so much on the line and 20 other kids there who all think that they deserve this scholarship?
6: Well, our plan was to do the shootout since um, since mid last year. So I've been preparing myself and focused. I went into the shootout relaxed. I didn't really feel nervous. You know, I knew that if I if I just be myself, you know, do what I know what to do, you know, on track and off track, I knew I had a shot of winning. So I made sure I was relaxed and just did what I do best. So that's that, that was my plan going into it. Obviously, the competition was great. So many fast kids, uh, many of them, you know, are going to be great competition this uh, this year in the Lucas Race Series. So uh, I got the win, you know, just being myself, focusing on myself with obviously the support from all the coaches and all the staff, which truly is amazing. The people out in the Lucas Oil School of Racing are just so amazing. What they do and how they help us is crazy. But now with this win, we're going to focus on the on the race
0: series. And part of uh, the the judging is not just based on lap time. It's also based on how you comport yourself off the track. So you got to go through a grilling interview process with our friend, Brian Till. He's the silver haired gentleman who raced in the Indianapolis 500. Uh, what was that like? Did Brian give you any tough questions?
6: Uh, I went in relaxed. Um, Brian asked me mostly about my background and my inspirations in racing Um, It was a smooth conversation, you know, very relaxed, very ongoing. So I just was myself in that. And I feel like that was a big part of how I won.
0: So who are your inspirations? Who are your racing inspirations?
6: I'd say definitely my uncle is my biggest racing inspiration. He just truly, you know, he got me into racing. He taught me everything. And I look up to him and I want to be better than him, better than he was. So that's one of my goals. And both of my parents also just... Always helping me and being supportive of me, I feel like those three are my biggest inspirations.
0: Have you met any of the other Brazilian IndyCar drivers, like Elio or Canon or Vitor Mira? Or
6: I've met um, I've met Elio a few times. I met him once in Mid Ohio and once in the the Concourse Club.
0: Okay. Well, keep coming around. Those guys, they're not going anywhere, so you can see them if you come to an IndyCar race, or in Elio's case, sometimes he's at sports car races as well. Is there a place that people can follow you on social media uh, if they want to keep track of you?
6: Yeah, my uh, my Instagram account is Vergara, B-E-R-G-A-R-A dot racing.
0: Okay. Well, congratulations. Best of luck to you. We'll be following along this year in the LucasOA Form the Car Series championship and see if you can win another scholarship for a quarter of a million. And then we can see you racing potentially with IndyCar as soon as 2024 in their support races. Congratulations again.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's Joao Vergara, 15 years old from Sao Paulo, now in Miami, winner of the most recent Lucas Oil Formula Car Series scholarship shootout. And we now have, I think, maybe our first in-studio guest with our remote studio situation. He uh, has some news for us, and he also w- was there and observed Joe Al and was one of the coaches involved in the decision-making. It's the uh, the official driver of, of trackside, Jackson Lee. So uh, tell me, what did you think of Joe Al before we get to your news?
2: Yeah, I think he was he was really impressive all week. Um, he was definitely one of the quickest on tracks and was immediately up to speed really quick. Um and was pretty much from session one, kind of one of the guys you had in the back of your mind. as he's he's gonna be one of the guys you're thinking about? And then come the end of the shootout, he, he was, um, he, he was the right pick. He he was really quick, um, and and he was, you know, really mature off track, and 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 I was I was very impressed. I think he's got a shot at really being able to to be something in, in the motorsports world one day. So I'm excited to see how he progresses.
0: And works for having Jackson at that event because he went through it. He was one of the scholarship winners a few years ago as well and i understand you have some news for us i do yeah i'm very excited to say i will be back
2: in a race car for the 2023 season uh and i will be moving up a step into the usf pro championship um so super excited to announce that i will be driving the iu simon comprehensive cancer center browning chapman prime 47 car for turn three motorsport
0: and what car number are you this year the prime 47 car so we'll be representing (laughs) them with the number 47 Um, So you're moving up. Let's get into that decision. You you haven't been able to, for budget reasons, uh, get all the way to the finish line in, in your first two seasons. And, you know, we kind of debate this a little bit. Well, when do you move up? Do you wait until you come really close to winning a championship or... Uh, Is it depending on the opportunity? And by the way, for those that don't know, USF Pro 2000 is what was Indy Pro 2000, is what was Pro Mazda, what was Star Mazda, and sort of was the Atlantic Championship, but it's now known as USF Pro 2000. So tell us about the thought process for moving up.
2: Yeah, I mean, as you know, this has been a big topic of debate over the past few years on where um, I should be in my career and when is it right to move up. Um, And really... With Cape Motorsports, my previous team in USF 2000 would have stayed another year instead of moving to Indy Lights, or now Indy Next, um, I probably would have have stayed another year in USF 2000, but with the nature of I'm going to have to find a new team regardless, um, I had an opportunity to test a USF Pro 2000 car at the Fall Combine, uh, and we did pretty well. So um, I think that the opportunity is there to move up. Uh, I think we have a shot to be able to do very well in the car. Drives very similar to a USF 2000 car. There's just a little bit more downforce and a little bit more power, um, but I think um, I think it's it's going to be a good season. I really like working with with the team. I think uh, Turn Three Motorsport has been great with helping me transition to the USF Pro Car, um, and I'm good friends with my teammates. So I think I think we're going to have a good opportunity to put up some good results this year.
0: And the team owner, driver, coach, engineer won what the the most fascinating finish in Indianapolis Motor Speedway history. Peter Dempsey is the guy who a decade ago won that four-wide finish in the Freedom 100, and, and we really like Peter. And you have some history with the family, too.
2: Yeah, um, well, as I mentioned, it's a it's been a good program to work with, and this isn't the first time I've drove for a Dempsey. Um, when I went over to England to race in the Walter Hayes Trophy and Formula Ford Festival for the Team USA scholarship, I got to drive for his dad, Cliff Dempsey, with uh what was at the time low Dempsey motorsport so um that was that was a really great program i I loved working with them Uh, i learned a ton while i was over there and i figured this program would be fairly similar um and and that it was going to be a good fit before we even got to test with the team and now that i've had now four test days with that team i know it's a good fit um the cars are quick and i think we're going to Have a lot of fun this year.
0: So the season opener is with IndyCar at St. Petersburg in just a few weeks. And then you guys are going to race at Sebring the week after the Mobile One 12 hours, the last weekend of March, on the full course. And now you've been testing. So IndyCars don't get to really test on that full course. Uh, And you're running lap times that are faster than a GTD car that are similar to a P3 car. What's it like uh, going through Turn 17 in... uh, something similar to an Indy car.
2: Yeah, it's the full course is a lot of fun. I, I had the chance to race in the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series at the full course at Sebring a while ago. And it's now that I'm, I'm up in a car with a lot more downforce and a lot stiffer suspension, it's honestly a completely different track to what I drove uh, a few years ago. Um, and it, it is a ton of fun. It's, it's, it's very bumpy, as everyone knows. Um, and the, the the full sports car side of it, the, of the of the course is much more rough than what the IndyCars cars use to test, um, and it, it's it takes a little while to get used to, but it's a ton of fun, and I think it's going to be a good race. There's going to be good passing opportunities, um, and I'm excited to, to see how it goes. And I think
0: there are some historic sports cars there as well, so that'll be a fun weekend if you need some extra racing in Florida the week after the the uh, 12 hours of Sebring coming up. All right, congratulations, Jackson Lee. Let's see if I have it down. The number 47 IU Comprehensive Cancer Center browning chapman prime 47 car uh for turn three motorsport oh we should also mention this we've got something really cool coming up so we've got things planned in may for locally based the iu simon comprehensive cancer center to help them raise some funds and for our friends at auto immunity racing and race for rp tell us about what you've got going on to be a part of your team in florida this month
2: yeah, we have a really exciting opportunity where you as a fan get the chance to be a part of our team. So we have options to donate either $100 and get your name on the side of the car, um, or a $500 donation um, will get you a corporate logo on the car. And this isn't a donation to our race program. It's a donation to the autoimmunity racing and autoimmune research. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, to be a part of, as I've talked about before. Um, on different shows, my mom has had an autoimmune disease and has been challenging that for a few years now. So I'm, I'm I'm proud to have a brand like Race for RP and Autoimmunity Racing uh, a part of our program, and I'm happy to be able to do what I can to give back.
0: So Jackson has tweeted something. I've retweeted it and we'll do it again. But Race for RP is a specific autoimmune condition, relapsing polychondritis. And the link is going to take you to their foundation. But what I've learned is any research that impacts one autoimmune condition is likely going to impact them all. And Race for RP is now working with a broader scope with autoimmunity racing to uh, be able to educate, find hopefully cures treatment for all types of autoimmune conditions so um yeah you can get your name uh, along with several other names on on the car uh, or for 500 bucks that's a pretty good deal you could put a small corporate logo in the car as well and our deadline for that really to be on the car for st pete is probably next wednesday but then we'll have another opportunity for the sebring race going beyond that so we'll have more details on that as we go all right coming up what we missed trackside 935-1075 the fan
3: Hi, this is Felix Rosenquist, and you're listening to Trackside.
0: Okay, final segment, uh, checking in on Twitter with a couple of things. Not a lot of traffic tonight. Runner says or asks, is there going to be a 100 days out party at the Speedway this year? I think there is something, but I don't know that it's fully open to the public or uh, maybe tickets are already distributed. Um, But I know there is something. I I saw a media notice come in today that there are media opportunities, but I didn't look into it too much. I'm out of town continuing my Avoid Indiana winter tour, although it was beautiful uh, this week. And when I left yesterday, still really, really nice, but I'm in uh, Miami helping out. Uh, from production with the Miami International Boat Show. But there may be something, so look into that. But I don't think it's open to the public, or if it is, tickets are all gone. Vincent1701 tagged us with a lot of good pictures today from testing at Sebring, so you might check out his feed. Also pictures and some video as well. Uh, Testing the last two days, lap times, what do we have from today Eight cars on track, including the the Chevy hybrid. Didn't do a lot of laps. As you might guess, there's some teething problems that are going to be going on there. That is to be expected still a year or so away from when it's going to be active. Pato Award was the quickest, 51.88 on the short course. Then Alexander Rossi, three tenths off. Felix Rosenquist, another tenth. Felipe Nasser was in the Penske uh, two car. Then Santino Ferrucci. Nick Cassidy, who was one in Formula E, the latest to get a Test drive maybe is an option next year for Ganassi in their 10 car. Then Benjamin Peterson and then Will Power only did 14 laps uh, in the hybrid today. And then yesterday, the Andretti drivers were quickest. Roman Grosjean, 52.05. Kyle Kirkwood, 300s behind him. Then Callum Eilat, Marcus Armstrong, Devlin De Francesco, Connor Daly, Colton Herta, Renus Vique, and Augustine Canapino. Still within range, less than seven tenths off the pace from yesterday. Good show tonight, in my biased opinion. Thanks to our guests, including young drivers, Joao Vergara. Jackson Lee, and also Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star, and Mark Miles, the president and CEO of Penske Entertainment, back again next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for Eddie Garrison and Kurt Cavan. I'm Kevin Lee. Thanks for joining us. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.